We all want our businesses to succeed and we all want to be found in Google. To make those things happen, you need healthy search engine optimization or SEO. You're probably familiar with the term, but you might be unfamiliar with the best actions to improve your online visibility. In today's episode, SEO expert Kate Toon shares seven easy tips you can start implementing in your business ASAP. She's a fellow copywriter and my mentor, and I'm honored to have her on the show. So if improving your SEO is currently sitting untouched on your to-do pile, then keep listening for some gold nuggets of advice. Welcome to the Marketing and Me podcast. If you're eager to grow your health and wellness business via effective marketing methods while maintaining your own health and wellness, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Leanne Shelton, health and wellness content coach and copywriter at Right Time Marketing. And today I'm so excited to be joined by SEO copywriting guru and my mentor, Kate Toon. Yay! Woohoo! Yeah, so excited to be here. It's very cool. Yes, very cool. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, So for anyone not familiar with Ms. Toon, I'll take a few moments to read out her bio. Kate Toon is a writing entrepreneur, oh, I said it right, as well as a popular coach, speaker, author, and podcaster. Her digital education businesses, The Recipe for SEO Success and The Clever Copywriting School, have helped more than 8,000 small business owners grapple the Google beast and write better content. Kate runs Australia's only dedicated annual copywriting conference, Copycon. Yay, Copycon. And she presents at events around the world and runs several hugely successful Facebook groups. I think I'm in all of them. Uh, (laughs) Author of the popular business self-help book, Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, How to Succeed in Business Despite Yourself, Kate lives on the central coast of Sydney where she loves wandering on the beach with her son and her CFO, which is her chief fairy officer, Pomplamoos, it's a dog. And that's a very succinct bio for someone who's accomplished a lot in, is it like 11 years as a business owner? As a business owner, yeah. So you you read it out beautifully. Thank you very oh, thank much. You. Thank you. <laughs> and I only just kind of briefly said podcaster, but would you like to tell us a little bit more about your podcast? Yeah. So I've got two core ones, the Hot Copy Podcast, which is a podcast about copywriting for copywriters. That's been going for about four years now, maybe five. And then the Recipe for SEO Success, which is all around uh, SEO and digital marketing. And then I have a third one, the Kate Toon Show, uh, which is hopefully coming back for a second series later this year. Um, so yeah, three podcasts. What am I thinking? Crazy fool. I, um, I, I, I struggle with one. So <laughs> yeah, well. I struggle with all of them. Uh, but it gets easier. Well, you know, I, these days I don't do so much of the kind of legwork myself. I do a lot just of the recording, but it's a lot of work doing a podcast, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely your podcast did inspire me to get started with one. And I think you did kind of egg me on a bit when I mentioned it. But yeah, so I, I first heard of her about Kate when I started my business five and a bit years ago. And then I, I, I kind of stalked her online for a couple of years before deciding to join the, the Clever Copywriting community about two years ago, nearly two years ago. And I haven't looked back. 
so like Kate, you have created a warm and welcoming online community. Um, I love it. I'm, I knew I'd be there daily and I am uh, when I see, you know, my fellow copywriters as cousins uh, rather than competitors. And I've been to a couple of copy cons and it was really good because I got to meet those virtual relatives as well as mingle with Kate herself in real life. And I have done the uh, recipe for SEO success course as well, which gave me the tools I needed so I could call myself an SEO copywriter and feel comfortable about it. So yeah, and so today we want to talk about the scary search engine optimization things and talk about some easy to digest tips for healthy SEO in your business. So enough from me. Uh, Kate, in your own words, what is your definition of SEO? So the acronym stands for search engine optimization, but obviously that isn't particularly helpful either. The way I like to describe it is it's the act of and the process of making Google, and we do talk mostly about Google because it has the biggest market share, but Google and the other search engines fall in love with your website. So Google's pretty fickle. And, you know, obviously it has, it's spoilt for choice. There's lots of websites it can pick to rank number one for any particular keyword. You have to do your best to make Google love you. And Google's quite fussy. It's, we think it has around 200 or so things on its checklist, what it wants from a particular website. But we're not entirely sure because Google doesn't tell us exactly. People like me and other SEO consultants kind of guess some of them. Some of them Google tells us. But it's simply the process of working out what those 200 things on Google's list are, which ones are going to move the needle quickest, fastest, with the least effort, and then just working your way through them, ticking them off one by one until you have a website that Google can't resist. And I think everyone wants that, don't they? (laughs) They do. They do. Well, these days, I think, in reality, Google is the internet. You know, if you are not on Google, you are not on the internet. So what I mean by that is, very rarely do people type in www, you know, nike.com. They just type Nike into Google. And so Google really is the, is the, you know, the gatekeeper, the doorman of the internet. And, you know, if you don't play by Google's rules, you can be deranked, which means you no longer show up in Google search engine results pages. You can get a penalty. And, you know, that could be the death of your business. And we see this happening when Google makes changes to the algorithm. Some businesses take a huge hit, you know, and lose a lot of money. And obviously, you don't want that to happen to you. Yeah, that's why it's a ever-evolving thing, isn't it? You don't just kind of do your SEO stuff once and then leave it. No, I like to say SEO is for life, not just for Christmas. I mean, essentially, Google isn't trying to catch out the likes of you and me, you know, just average business owners with a bit, you know, a quite straightforward uh, website. The changes that they make are trying to catch out what we call black hat SEOs, And black hat SEOs are people who try and game the system. They kind of go, oh, well, it looks like Google likes it when we do this. So how about we do this hundreds of times, thousands of times, and that might give us an advantage. And it does for a little while. And then Google catches on, maybe changes the algorithm or issues a penalty, and then you're back to square one. So it's, you know, the more it changes, the more it stays the same. If you Honestly, if you play it safe with Google, it kind of have more longevity. It's those kind of you know, risk takers that do naughty things that tend to be hit by the algorithm changes. Yes. So be good children. And And how did you stumble into the SEO world? Like when did you decide to become an expert and focus on it? When I was about three, I, no, I'm joking. (laughs) So when I, um, when I started my career, 
obviously, you know, 20 or so years ago, the internet was really, it was, you know, it was just beginning. I mean, this is 1994, 1995. When I had my first job, we didn't even have email. You know, you were still handing things around the office in an envelope and signing them off. So way back then, 1994, 1995, I, I, I built a website for an event I was running. And this was seemed like the most innovative thing. It would be like, you know, a brand getting on TikTok today, like website, we need a web, what, what is this website thing? So I did that kind of got the bug. And then I went to work in agencies and worked on some of the first foundation websites in the UK, like Marks and Spencer's e-commerce site and, you know, worked with uh, British Telecom and other brands like that, building their first ever websites. You know, it was crazy times. I'm so old. And then afterwards I worked in agencies and I worked at one particular agency called advertising.com. And they were really focused on AdWords, which was just kind of starting out, affiliate marketing, which was just starting out and SEO. And then after that, I kind of applied those techniques to big brands like Pedigree Charm and Kmart and some of the big banks. So that when I went out on my own, that was obviously a service I could offer, you know, helping because I'd worked on big brands, I could continue to offer that. But also I could use those skills to help me rank. Because when I started 11 years ago, there were a heck of a lot of copywriters. There were some big players right at the top of the rankings. And I was like, I've just started. How on earth am I going to get found? How am I going to get clients? I better get good at this SEO thing. So I really used my own site as a Petri dish. You know, I learned a lot. I read every article. I didn't do any courses, but I did just practice what I saw other people doing and, and achieved great results. And then obviously when you get great results and you're being found for SEO copywriter, SEO consultant, people go, oh, well, if she's ranking for that, she must be good at that. Hey, can you teach me how to do it? So it's a bit of a long story. Sorry, but no, <laughs> it's, no, that's it's fine. A journey. It's a journey, you know? I think a lot of it is. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's not like I, you know, I'm at heart a copywriter, a creative. I love writing. But, you know, as in business, sometimes we have to look for the gaps in the market. And when I got to that point, there were very few female SEOs in Australia. You know, I, I actually could probably only name one, a lovely lady called Dana Flannery. But there were, that was it. And there were no SEO courses in Australia. There was nobody really teaching it in workshops and now there are courses and workshops galore. But back then it was a real niche and something that I was able to step into and be successful in quite quickly. So that's why I folk, I kind of pivoted towards that about six or seven years ago and made it my really my full focus for a little while. I think what you do as well is on SEO, people probably align with like IT and and because you make it very um relatable and people can easy like, it's easy to understand you can put it in layman's terms I mean yeah you wanted to do your course I'm like I get that I get that I get there's only a couple of parts where you, a bit more technical which you said you know go to the experts but I love that it was all put very easy to understand language so that was really yeah. good I mean the thing is to to explain something in simple terms you have to understand it really really well um, and that that's a challenge you know and I have gone through the same learning curve as everybody else. And there've been little things that have helped me. I'm a big fan of analogies. You know, I love that in writing and I love that in SEO. So, you know, like I just compared, um, you know, SEO to making Google fall in love with you and, and somebody having like, like the bachelor, he's got 20 brides to choose from what's on his list of things he wants. And it just makes you go, ah, oh, okay. So it's, it's kind of about ticking. It just helps you break it down and you can use those same analogies um, for the technical things as well. Um, and that just helps the non-technical mind get it. Don't get me wrong. There is, there are technical aspects to SEO and it is important that we understand them, but we don't necessarily need to do them. As we know, a big part of running your own business is knowing what you're good at, 
playing to your strengths and working out what you can outsource, but outsourcing with confidence. And that's a big problem with SEO that people do outsource it, but they don't really know what they're paying for. And then they get themselves in terrible trouble. So yes. Yeah. I mean, I had a bit of that I, at uni, I had to study accounting ah, oh. uh, and we're all creative arts students and we're like, why? And they, they basically said to us, one day you'll probably have your own businesses and need to understand these basics. So when you outsource, you get it. So it's a little bit like that. Accounting is the perfect analogy. There you go. So like I, you know, I have an accountant, I have a bookkeeper. I vaguely understand what they do. You know, I know what revenue is. I know where my bass is due. I know enough to know if they're doing their job okay, but not, you know, there is a degree of trust. There's always going to be a degree of trust, but also I have no interest in accounting. I don't want to learn it. And because I come with that attitude in mind, it will make it very hard for me to learn. If you start from a position of, I hate this, I don't want to do it, then it will be impossibly hard. So one of the things I try and do with SEO is really break down the notion that A, it changes all the time. We just discussed that. It doesn't for the average Joe. B, it's super technical. Some bits are, but most of it isn't. And uh, D, A, F, uh, <laughs> whatever. B, uh, whatever. Number three, um, that you need to be a technical whiz kid to get it, you know, that it, that, uh, or that it's, or that there's some magic secret that I know that you don't, and that only a certain type of brain can wrap themselves around SEO. None of those things are true. The most untechy people have done my course and had really great results. Um, it, I guess it just depends on. I'm going to say it depends on the teacher. It kind of <laughs> does, you know, it depends on the teacher. It depends on the process and how you're taught. You know, I think I read somewhere you need to hear something seven times before you kind of get it. And you need to hear it from different angles. Like you need to visual, some people are visual learners. Some people are oral learners. Some people need to write to learn. Some people need to read to learn. We all have different ways of learning. Um, so I try and accommodate all of those in the ways that I teach. Yeah, I love that. And that's good. Yeah, segue. Um, so you can kind of teach us a little bit today um, yeah. some seven easy to digest tips uh, for healthy mm-hmm. SEO so our listeners can get, get started with it and, and overcome those barriers they've been setting for themselves. Okay, seven tips. Let's go. Number one, you'll have to keep up with the numbers because okay. I'll probably jump around. Number one, <laughs> and possibly the biggest one, number one is speed. So making sure your website loads as quickly as possible, ideally under three seconds. You can test this. Uh, there's lots of different tools out there, but the one that I prefer is called Pingdom Site Speed, and I'm sure you'll include a link to that in the show notes. You pop your site in, you say where you want to kind of search it from, obviously probably Australia, and it will tell you how long it takes to load. And then obviously you'll look at that data and not understand a word of it. But what you <laughs> mainly want to be looking at is image size. That's one of the biggest issues, giant images. If you can make your images smaller in terms of case size and dimension, you can knock a couple of seconds off and that will have a big impact on your site. So speed, I'd say, is number one. Number two is mobile responsiveness. So Google is now mobile first, which means it's indexing the mobile version of your site, not looking at the desktop version. Now, most of us these days have built our site on a platform like WordPress or Squarespace, and we were told, oh, look, this is mobile friendly. But the truth is sometimes these so-called mobile friendly sites, when you actually try and use them on your phone, the buttons are close together, your thumb's pressing the wrong thing, images are loading in a weird way. So it's important to just test your site on lots of different devices, a Samsung, an iPhone, an LG, and just see if people can do the things. So that would be number two. Uh, number three, okay, I'd say number three, I could do a lot more tech stuff, but I think I would talk about next 
really understanding your audience um, and how, what kind of phrases they are typing into Google. The example I use is that my husband runs a French teaching company and he's obsessed with French lessons location, French lesson location. But when we use any kind of keyword research tool, we found that there are a million different ways to search for that. You know, the searcher intent is the same. They want a teacher to teach them friends. But the way that people type that into Google is there's a myriad of ways. You mustn't get fixated on one particular term or you go for terms that are jargon in your world. Like we're both copywriters and we're obsessed with ranking for copywriter, but a lot of lay people would just type in website writer. They wouldn't know that copywriter is a thing. So talk in your language. So that's number three. Are they good so far? Oh, yep. You're with me, Leanne? I'm with you. <laughs> Frantically writing them down. <laughs> um, number four, I would say is we understand our audience. Fabulous. Now we need to understand our own brand. So really uh, understanding what your unique selling proposition or USP is will help you with search engine optimization. So you're a copywriter. I'm a copywriter. How can we differentiate ourselves online? What what can I add to my site so that people find me, not you? So instead of just trying to rank for the word copywriter, maybe we want to think about the location we're in or the types of copy we write. Are we press release focused or video script focused or the industries that we write for? I'm a financial services copywriter. You maybe do more arts copywriting, whatever. Um, and then also the adjectives that describe us, you know, maybe, you know, you're reliable and I'm affordable, or maybe you're creative and I'm quirky, whatever those are, try to think of those words around what you do. Because the truth is, you know, for a period, I might still actually do it. I rank number one for copywriter. That's great. But that's not going to convert for me necessarily. Uh, because somebody types in copywriter, we don't really know what they want. But as soon as someone adds words like affordable, Sydney, financial services, yes, it narrows the competition and the, num- the amount of traffic. But the conversion intent is so much clearer. So for me, one of my best keywords was not copywriter. You'd think it would be, but it was financial services website writer, Sydney. So wow. you know, maybe that, I know, maybe that only got typed into Google once or twice a month. But if they hit my site and I rank number one and the page they go to delivers and I win that job, that job's worth maybe eight, 10 grand. I don't need any more than that to make my business sustainable. So number four is USP. Okay. Uh, number five, what can I talk about next? So many things I could talk about. Uh, I'm going to say readability. I'm going to pick readability. So lots of us write content. Everyone thinks they're a brilliant writer and have a wonderful sense of humor, but the truth is we don't. Um, so readability is super important. And there's a great little tool called Hemingway app that will, you can pop your writing in and just see what level of education someone needs to be able to read it. And online, we need to be aiming for about year seven. Um, because we read very differently online to how we read offline. Our brain can't absorb content in the same way. So, you know, that means shorter sentences, less complex sentences, you know, less use of adverbs, using direct language, lots of things that don't come naturally to all of us, you know, but the tool will highlight them and you can simplify. And you may think, oh, I'm dumbing down my copy and it doesn't sound as professional, but no. It, it's readable. Readable is more important than professional. Okay. So uh, if someone relates to your copy, can understand it, then you are professional. That's, that's great. So that would be my number five. Okay. I've got two left. Oh, it's like picking your favorite child. <laughs> I'd say the next thing is backlinks. Too many people 
think of their website like an island and they put so much effort into the content and the design and pretty pictures, but they make no effort to share that across the interwebs. So, you know, again, analogy, uh, if your website's like an island and it's got a beautiful swimming pool and a resort and a restaurant and a tennis court, that's great, but it needs to have a ferry service and it needs to have an airport. You need to be able to get people from the mainland to your island and that's done with backlinks. So, Leanne will do a little bio for me on this podcast and she'll link back to my website. Every link you get to your website is a little tick of approval to Google. It's that popularity contest again. Google Google won't like you till everyone else does. So Google goes, well, Leanne's pretty cool and she's linked to Kate's site. So she must think Kate's site's pretty cool. And I get some love. I get some SEO juice, whatever you want to call it. So building backlinks is really important. And I guess the thing I'll I'll finish on is kind of branded search and social media. There's a lot of debate how social media impacts SEO. Most people think it doesn't have a direct relation to ranking. So yes, you may have a thousand followers on Facebook. Great. Google doesn't care, but it does care what those thousand followers do when they come to your site. How long do they spend on your site? Do they share your content? Do they link to it? Um, And social media is really helpful for building your brand because at the end of the day, it's always going to be super competitive to try and rank for plumber Sydney, copywriter Sydney, SEO consultant Sydney. Super competitive. Everyone wants that. But it's far less competitive to try and rank for Kate Toon or Leanne Shelton, you know. Um, and maybe they might do Kate Toon copywriter or Leanne Shelton podcast. And, um, you know, they might add that word on just to, for clarification because there's more than one Kate Toon, there's more than one Leanne Shelton. But if you can use social media to build your brand so that you become synonymous with what you do, and it's something I see in Facebook a lot, which I love. Someone says, who does SEO? And three people go, Kate Toon. And I've worked so hard to make that connection between who I am and what I do. So that's where social media can really help your SEO slightly indirectly, but it stops people searching for what you do and makes them search for who you are. There we go. I did it. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I've written all those down. I will be in the show notes um, (laughs) and including those links to things Uh, and backlinks, definitely. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, I mean, that, that. gold nugget you said at the end you know you want people to search for you ultimately uh, I've actually started putting that into my content strategy um, workshop that I run because mm. so many people are focused on their website and, and people stumbling across their website but you ultimately want people to be searching for you and your website not yeah what you do <laughs> yeah and that takes you know we talk a lot about the funnel um you know top of funnel middle of funnel bottle of funnel that, you know, top of funnel people, they're people who have a problem, um, but they don't really know what the solution is, you know, so maybe they, they need some words for their website, but, they, you know, they, does, does someone do that? Is that a thing? Is that a job? And they start searching and, you know, middle of funnel are people who know that they need a copywriter for their website and now they're in comparison mode. Who's better, this person or this person? But the people, you know, that branded search really helps with is bottom of funnel. They know who you are. They like you. They see you as an expert, an authority. They trust you. So really all they need to make the purchase is a gentle nudge. Like maybe the price needs to be right or you need to have a limited offer. Um, you know, that, that you're doing something special this month um, and, and they're going to buy from you because you've built up that brand authority and you've built up that trust. So those are our ideal customers. We don't have to work so hard for those people. And that's what we want. Yeah. I mean, even if people do find you in Google, if that's the very first 
contact point, then they're probably mm. not going to buy from you then and there unless they've heard more about you from other people, they've built up that trust. Because, um, yeah, some other competitors are like, oh, well, their website's nice, but so is this website and this website. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, even when you do know, like, so even if someone was recommended to me, what's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to head to Google, I'm going to type in their name, and I'm going to expect them to rank pretty highly for their own name if they're any good at what they're doing or their business name. And I'm going to look through their website and I want their website to prove to me that they are as good as this person has said they are. I want to see testimonials and reviews. I want specificity around what they do, how much it costs. I want pricing. I want proof. Uh, So, you know, lots of people kind of think, I don't need a website because everything I do comes word of mouth. But word of mouth still wants reassurance, you know, still want to make sure you are who you say you are. So yeah, it's important, super important. Definitely. And there's also, I just want to tie in here, Google My Business, which I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't use, but that's a key factor to the whole SEO strategy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Google My Business is free real estate on Google. You know, it's Google's own platform. So they're going to show it. So it's basically like a free landing page. You can have your business name, your opening hours, photos, most importantly, reviews, your location. You can talk about your services. You can have offers, promotions, videos, free real estate on Google. And over time, what will happen is, you know, when you first start typing in your business name, your Google My Business page won't pop up. Yeah, it takes a little while, but slowly it will connect the dots. So if you, after this, go and try typing in Cape Toon, Sydney, you'll see that my little knowledge graph panel, it's called, pops up on the right-hand side. And it's got all this information. But most importantly, I think now I've got something like 200 or so reviews, five-star reviews. So when you see my page and you see two other people's pages and they've got no reviews or one review, who are you going to click on? You know, hugely powerful. You can have a Google My Business page, even if you don't have an address that you want to publish online. It won't be as powerful as one with an address because it kind of is created for shop front businesses, for location businesses. But you can still have one super powerful. Everyone should get one. It's free and it takes literally five minutes to create. And pretty much the process is pretty transparent. Put your name here, put your opening hours here. It's not going to be rocket science to anybody. There you go. A bonus eighth tip for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) And I like to ask my guests, because obviously we're about health and wellness as well. How do you manage your own health and wellness? (laughs) Oh, not very well. No, I do. Look, I I am not great. And, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody who necessarily believes in balance. I have good periods and bad periods. I'm a big believer in just, you know, resetting. So, you know, I'm good for a bit and then I, I fall back again. I do the basics. I try to stick to one coffee a day. I try and get my sleep. Sleep for me is very big. Everything falls apart without sleep. You know, I, I walk my dog every day. We don't have a car. And I think for me, it's a lot about mindset. So physically, I'm relatively healthy. Mentally, I've had my challenges over the year in terms, you know, in terms of running my business and you know, comparisonitis and imposter syndrome and all that kind of stuff. It does just get easier over time. You just, you know, like, oh, that's why old people are so chill. Well, some people, you just <laughs> kind of like, I've seen this before in other people and I've seen this behavior in me. I can feel this feeling begin to manifest I know that this isn't good. What can I do to stop it, cut it off in its tracks rather than fully spiraling into, you know, crazy land? So, yeah, mental health is something that I work on a lot, just trying to separate me, myself and I and watch my behavior and go, hmm, 
why am I being triggered by that? Why is that annoying me? What is that telling me? And just having that bit of distance between, you know, how I think and what I do, you know, not making my thoughts and my immediate action. I've got, I used to have a sticker on my computer. I don't have it there now, but it used to just say, don't react. Because a lot of the troubles I had in business were just you know, seeing someone do something or, or feeling offended or getting an email that irked me and reacting straight away. And it never goes well, does it? Ever, ever. You know, always taking that, sleeping on it, taking that breath, you always get the better results. So for me, it's more mental health challenges, I think, than physical health. Yeah, I do a bit of that too. I'm trying to be really pr- like acknowledge when I'm feeling a bit anxious. Usually it's about the kids mm. um, and, and go, all right, I need to walk away away right now and take some deep breaths and um oh yeah the trigger thing you know like I'll yeah. oh, why am I feeling so tense about this situation and then I'll kind of mm-hmm. suss it out so I know okay I need to work on that but yeah it's it's very true you need to work on that first and add, it's good that you're walking regularly too thank you problemless yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he'd remind you if you didn't <laughs> he does I mean that's it you know I, I have to walk him every day and I, you know most of us especially as parents, you know, we're in that mode of serving others first. So, you know, I always walk my dog before I would walk my dog before I did anything for myself because I, you know, that's his, the highlight of his day and often the highlight of mine. But yeah, it is, you know, I think running your own business is hugely, hugely challenging. And that's why a lot of people don't do it. You know, it's easier working for the man. You have different challenges, but you know, you don't have to worry about so many of the things that we have to worry about. And then obviously layer on top of that parent guilt, and all the other good stuff that comes with it. And I think the biggest lesson I've learned, you know, over, you know, the last 11 years is just to be patient. Like a lot of the reasons we get stressed and feel anxious is because we want to do this thing right now. We're excited about it or we feel it has to be done now. It doesn't, you know, people will wait. There's things that I've been wanting to do for years. I still haven't done them, but when I do them, it'll be just the perfect time, you know? So that's helped me a lot to just think the world will wait. There's plenty of time. I plan to do this until I'm old and gray or grayer. So just give myself a break, you know? Yes, I'm I'm pretty much the same as you know. (laughs) I want everything now. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the chat today. This is really good. Hopefully um, the listeners found some really good tips they can take away and uh, improve their SEO immediately. And how can people connect with you? Well, you can, you can just Google Kate Toon. I'm sure you'll find one of my gazillion websites. But yes, thank you for having me, Leanne. And, you know, Leanne mentioned at the beginning that she's a member of my community. I'm going to give her some love now. She's going to be yeah. mortified. Oh. <laughs> but she, you're, you're such a go-getter. I love everything you're doing with your workshops and everything. You know, it's great to see someone say, I'm going to do this. And then they actually do it. So you should be patting yourself on the back, lady, because I love what you do. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Oh, I've been loved. Uh, so thank you so much. And and thank you as you listener for listening in today. You can find show notes for the episode at marketingandme.com.au. And if you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave me a rating or review on iTunes. I'd also love you to join the Marketing and Me podcast Facebook group where you can ask questions and discuss recent episodes with other listeners. And if you're interested in connecting with me, feel free to reach out to me via LinkedIn. Just search for Leanne Shelton. Oh, search on Google, Leanne Shelton. I think it works. I, and if you want to outsource your content marketing or learn how to write it yourself, head to my website, righttimemarketing.com.au. And until next time, I wish you good health and good wealth. <laughs>